If you got a Bible, go to 3 John, and the message is empty tanks and broken banks. Empty tanks and broken banks. What's going on in the world today? What is happening in society? I think what you're going to hear today is maybe just a word from God for what's happening in your life, what's happening in our nation, what's happening in our world, and how do we handle it? How do we deal with an empty tank and a broken bank society? In 3 John 1 verse 2, John, who was a disciple of Jesus, he wrote from the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and he said, dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health. I say that he wrote from the inspiration of the Holy Spirit because you need to know this isn't just John's prayer, this is God's prayer. This isn't just John's desire for the church, this is God's desire for the church. If you think God doesn't want you to enjoy good health, you don't have a revelation of God. God is a good God and his will for you is a good will. So he prays, Lord, I pray that people would enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. I'm so glad that he addresses us as friends, that with God, we don't look at God as a boss. We look at God as a father, that we're sons and daughters and that his desire for his kids is that we would enjoy a good life. How many of you right now could have a little bit more enjoyment to life? <laughs> There's been some things trying to mess with your joy, trying to mess with your enjoyment of life. This is why John was praying and writing to the church. Church, God wants you to get along well, but it's all going to depend on what's going on inside you. As your soul gets better, your life will get better. As your inside gets better, your outside will begin to reflect the inside. I want to go to another John scripture, and it's in John chapter 2, and it's a, it's a story where Jesus performs his first miracle, and it happens to be at a wedding. I think it's no coincidence that Jesus would do his first miracle in a marriage, especially going on right now. There's such an attack on relationships, such an attack on households, husbands, wives, marriages, families, and Jesus shows up at this wedding ceremony. Now, Jesus was a guy who was invited to parties. He was a likable guy. He wasn't a stiff neck religious guy. He wasn't a guy that kids ran from. He was a guy that kids ran to. Jesus was such a good guy. He was such a healthy guy. He was so mentally and emotionally healthy that people enjoyed being around him. One of the results of, of a person who doesn't have an empty tank, but a person who's got like a full cup, there was a book that came out in the 90s called How Full Is Your Bucket? And the whole point of the book was when you have a full bucket, when you feel joyful, excited, expectant about life, you're walking around with positive thoughts and positive speech and, and everything's good, you, you like people are attracted to that. And not only that, you enjoy life more when you have a full bucket. Jesus walked around with a full tank. He walked around with a bank that wasn't broke. He was full of love. He was full of mercy. He was full of joy. And everywhere he went, he overflowed to the people around him. And so people invited him to their parties. They invited him to their, their gatherings. They, they invited him to their bar mitzvahs. They invited him to their kids' birthdays. Jesus was a likable guy. So he's at this wedding, and it says on the third day, this wedding was taking place at Cana in Galilee. This is the third day into the wedding. Talk about a long wedding. Three days. Most of the weddings I do are in 30 minutes. This was a three-day wedding. So Jesus' mother was there. Now, that's important. Remember that. Jesus' mother knew what was in Jesus. Mary, did you know? She knew. She knew. <laughs> Mary knew 
that Jesus had the power to change any situation that she was in. Mary knew that Jesus had the ability to shift the atmosphere. Do you know who Jesus is? Do you know what he can do in your life? Do you know when Jesus gets in your marriage, it gets better? A result of not having Jesus in your marriage, not having Jesus in your finances, not having Jesus in your house is anger, hostility, frustration. And then we go to all these other things to try to fill up our tank. We go to all these other things to try to fill up our bank, but our bank is broken. So everything we put in it just keeps on sliding out. Like when I was a kid, my parents bought me a piggy bank and um, I would put my coins in there, my dollars. And then there was a little backwards door that I could open up and pull out stuff to go give it in the offering or go buy some candy with it. But I remember when my piggy bank broke and no matter how many coins or dollars I stuck through the slot, you know, right there, it would just leave. It was depleted. My bank was broken. How many of y'all feel like sometimes your bank, it just keeps on, you're like all the bills keep on pulling my money out. Jesus had a full bank and a full tank. And his mother knew that when he was in a house, any need that was represented in that house, any deficiency, any lack, Jesus had the power to give an overflow out of his own abundance. So when the wine went out, when the wine went out, in other words, it was working for a while and then all of a sudden it stopped. Our world was working for a while. Your marriage was working for a while. Your family, things were going well and then what in the world just stopped the wine? And why didn't Jesus stop it before it stopped? Why did he allow it to get to a place of complete emptiness? Maybe Jesus is less concerned with you being happy and more concerned with you figuring out who your real source is. So he's going to let you get to a place of exhaustion. He's going to let you to get to a place of depletion so that he can say, come to me, all you who are weary and tired and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus allows us to get to places of exhaustion. He allows us to get us, ourselves, get us to that place where the wine runs out. And I don't know what's running out in your life, but probably something. Maybe you're running out of joy. Maybe you're running out of peace. Maybe you're running out of a good attitude. <laughs> Maybe you're just running out of just strength. You're engaged, but you're exhausted. You're dedicated, but you're depleted. Maybe your brain is running out of space to handle all the stuff that keeps going on in 2020, and you're just feeling foggy. And you're trying to figure out what's going on. But here they are. They've run out of the thing that kept the party going. And so Mary goes to her son, Jesus. And she tells him, they have no more wine. <laughs> he already knew that. She wasn't telling him to inform him. She was telling him to involve him. Wow. So many times we come to Jesus and we're just informing him of our problems. I got no more wine. I got... I got no more love for my husband. I got no more. I have no more space for this. I have no more joy. And, and God says, I hear that. I already knew that. I already knew that information. She wasn't telling him information. She was inviting him to get involved in the situation. So she says, they have no more wine. Watch what Jesus says back to her. Woman, if I said that to my mom, <laughs> if I said that to my wife, when my wife asks me to change diapers, Woman, why do you involve me? My time has not yet come. <laughs> I do change dirty diapers. But sometimes I just want to say, woman, why do you involve me? 
<laughs> my time, my hour is not. That's what Jesus said to his mom. My hour has not yet come. And his mother just looks at him. I bet she kind of crossed her arms. She was like, we'll see about that. <laughs> if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. So his mom tells the servants in the house, do whatever Jesus tells you to do. Do whatever he tells you to do. Jesus has the answer to the problems that we're facing right now. Just this last week, we were in Branson, Missouri with all of our family, our relatives. And when we came into Branson, we pulled in at 1 a.m. in the morning. I had been driving the whole night. Our tank was getting close to empty and my personal tank was close to empty. And I was exhausted and I was tired. It's 1 a.m. in the morning. The kids are asleep in the back. And as soon as you turn off the car, the lights turn on in the car and the kids start waking up. They're angry. They're crying. And Ashley says, I got to get Ellie inside. You get the boys, the pack and play, all the luggage and the ice chest. Bring it inside. I was like, what? <laughs> I was so mad at Ashley for saying. So I'm like, boys, get out. And they're like, daddy, carry me. So I'm like going back there. I'm pulling each kid. I'm like, like just talking in tongues under my breath. <laughs> when you don't know what to say, pray in the spirit. So I'm pulling them out. I get Mac out. I'm, he's our two-year-old. I'm holding Mac. And I try to take multiple things at the same time. When you're exhausted, you start trying to multitask and it just turns into a mess. And so I've, I've got Mac, I've got my backpack, and I try to pull a suitcase out of the back end. And in Branson, which is like the Las Vegas of the Midwest, Branson, Missouri has a lot of hills. You know, has anyone ever been to Branson? Come on, Branson is awesome. Silver Dollar City, Dixie Stampede, Shoji Tabuchi. Y'all don't know about Shoji. Um, <laughs> but anyways, we're on a hill. I pull out my suitcase. I'm holding our two-year-old. It's 1 a.m. in the morning. And I turn for one second, and my suitcase just starts going fast down the hill. And this hill was like a quarter of a mile hill. And Ashley's standing outside holding Ellie. She's like, did you get everything? I was like, no. <laughs> She's like, what's that sound I hear of something rolling down the hill? I said, my suitcase. And she was like, ha, 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 that's funny. And I was like, no, it's not, ha, ha, ha. no, it's not funny. You know, and I'm like, mad. <laughs> and she's like, aren't you gonna get it? I was like, I got a two-year-old and I got flip-flops on. There's no way I could chase that suitcase running down the hill. And I'm like, I'm just not gonna explain myself. So I go inside, I hand her the two-year-old and our son, and I get all the stuff in there. The pack and play is not working. I'm like, just pack and play work in Jesus' name. I go outside, I get in my car, and I go driving down the hill to look for my suitcase. It went down a quarter of a mile down this hill, went up another hill, flipped over the median into the woods. And I'm just walking through the woods. It's 1.30 in the morning. Have you ever heard, like, there's a scripture in Psalm 23 where David says, my cup runneth over. I was like, my cup is completely empty. And I'm pulling my suitcase, and I felt just lack, a lack of joy, a lack of sleep, a lack of peace. And I, I went back to the bed. I fall asleep finally at 2 a.m. Our kids wake us up at 6 a.m. And I'm like, Lord, I just need a vacation after this vacation. I don't know what you're lacking. I don't know what you're running out of, but I know that all of us at times get tired. We all run out of gas. In fact, Ashton and I, we were on a road trip a while back going to visit my Nana and Papa in Texarkana. And on the way back, she leans over and she says, Paul, you're, you're running on low on gas. You need to fill up. I said, I've got it. 
I got at least 50 more miles. Sometimes we think we can go further than we can. We need someone else to tell us our blind spots. We need someone else to tell us that the gauge is close to empty. Sometimes we don't see what others see. You need a son or a daughter to say, mom, you're really stressed and you need to chill out. Honey, you are really stressed and you need to fill up. One of my favorite things about North America is free refills. Come on, Jesus. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? When you're at a restaurant, you get a free refill. When you're in other countries, they make you pay $250 for another refill. I'm all about the free refills. Keep them coming. More Mountain Dew. Ashley's like, no more Mountain Dew in Jesus' name. But some of us in the room, we need a refill. Ashley was trying to tell me to fill up. And we broke down on the side of the road and we were empty with gas right outside of McAllister State Prison. And this was in 2010 when Prison Break, the TV show had just come out. And we were thinking about all the escapee convicts that were running around our cars in the middle of the night, it's midnight. And she's like, I told you, you should have filled up. I wonder some of us in the room, if we're running low on the gas we need for the race that God's called us to run. And if we're just trying to press through, we're just pushing through, we're giving it all we got. And yet David said, my cup overflows. We don't serve a bankrupt God. God's bank is not broken and his tank is not empty. We serve a God who has a limitless supply of grace for every single day that you face. He has a limitless supply of the wine that this party needed. When Jesus showed up and got involved, the party didn't stop. It turned up. The party got crazier. The wine got better. When Jesus gets in your marriage, it gets better. When Jesus gets in your life, it gets better. As a single person, as a divorced person, as a married person, as a teenager, as a grandpa, your life gets better. When Jesus starts to fill up your cup. So watch, Jesus tells the servants in verse seven, fill the jars. No, actually, look at verse six. Nearby stood six stone water jars. Did you know that stones can crack? I saw it this week, one of my nephews, he threw a stone down and it just cracked into pieces. And he was like, what? The stone can crack. And I think sometimes we look at the scripture and it's, there stood six stone water jars. These were the kind of water jars that could crack. And Jesus said, fill the jars with water. He oftentimes would refer to himself as living water. No matter how good the water is, if there's cracks in the jars, by the time it reaches the bride, there's nothing left in the cup. If there's cracks in your heart, no matter how good church is on Sunday, by Tuesday at work, you got nothing left. And you're saying, why do I feel so depleted? Why am I so exhausted? Church was awesome on Sunday. I had a great worship time. I was listening to the worship. I was in the sermon. I took the notes. Why am I depleted? It could be that you don't have a problem with your source. You have a problem with your jar. You haven't checked to see if the jar has cracks underneath it. I wonder what cracks are in your jar right now. I can think of one crack that keeps people from being happy, that keeps people from having a full cup. It's a critical spirit. People who are always critical, people who are constantly finding the negative about every situation, nothing's good enough. Well, I had, to, you know, I had some problems with that worship service. You guys hit some wrong notes. You didn't sing my favorite song. I had some problems with the sermon. I had some problems with the greeters. I had some problems with the parking lot. I had some problems when we went out to eat. You know, they just didn't, it wasn't fast enough. It wasn't good enough. It didn't taste right. 
We got a new house, but I don't like the new house because there's some things I don't like. I got a new car, but I don't like the new car because it's not as good as this car. We got a new, and it's nothing's ever good enough. No matter how good church is on Sunday, if you have a critical spirit, you will always be leaking by the time you get to the people who need to be filled. Your cup is empty. Your cup is empty, not because you don't have Jesus, but because you have a crack in your cup. Jeremiah 2 verse 13 says, my people have committed two sins. Number one, they've abandoned me, the fountain of living water. They've forsaken me. They've gone to social media. They've gone to pornography. They've gone to all these lustful, covetous things that they want that they don't have. They're going to try to fill things up. And and they've gone to all these things. And look, the second sin is they've dug for themselves cracked cisterns, cisterns, banks that are supposed to hold, hold the water. And yet it's broken. And so the water never holds. It leaks out. And no wonder there's problems in our nation. It's because people are so empty. People are so broken. My son, he got hurt this last week while we were hiking, and he said, all I need is a Band-Aid. So we put a Band-Aid on it, but the Band-Aid didn't fix the problem. We got people putting Band-Aids on America, and it's not fixing our country. We're putting Band-Aids on really bad issues that cannot be healed by Band-Aids. And so we go looking for our own ways to fix it. And we think, well, maybe if I get violent, I can fix it. Maybe if I abuse the abuser, I can fix it. Maybe if I get angry and hostile, I can fix it. Maybe if I have more control and power, I can fix it. But the only thing that's gonna fix the problems in you and in me and our country is a true revelation that Jesus is the healer. Jesus is the source. He is the wine. He is the living water for your marriage and your family. However, to stop at Jesus and say that's it would be stopping in the shallow end of the pool. There's a deeper end to that answer right there. You can't just say Jesus. When when Adam was placed in the garden prior to sin, in the beginning of the Bible, Genesis 1, God created male and female. When he placed Adam in the garden, What kept Adam's cup full? What made him as a husband, as a man, what made Adam full? You can't just say, oh, it was only God. He had a a purpose. He worked in the garden. What fills my cup is having something to do. When you're lazy all the time, I'm telling you, you're missing out on a full cup. He He had a job. He had recreation. He had enjoyment. He was outside. People lived long in the Old Testament, like 900 years because they didn't have iPads and Netflix and video games sitting inside all day, every day. They were outside. It's healthy to be outside. What kept Adam's cup full wasn't just talking to God. It was also talking to Eve. God recognized that Adam wasn't completely full just with God in the garden. So he gave him a helper. We were created for relationships. So if you're in isolation, you're missing out on a full cup. Of course you're going to feel empty if you're not pursuing relationship. You were made for relationships. There's so many other factors that, yes, Jesus is the answer. And Jesus also provides the means in the deeper end of the pool for you to have a full cup. If your cup is feeling broke, if there's cracks, if there's emptiness, come back to the source. So Jesus says, fill the jars with water. And they filled them to the brim. In verse 8, he said, draw out the water and take it to the master of the banquet. And they did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. And he did not realize where it had come from, though the servants knew exactly where it had come from. And he called the bridegroom aside. 
And he said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and the cheaper wine after. And the guests have had too much, after the guests have had too much to drink, but you save the best wine for last. God wants you to have the best days of your life still in front of you. God does not want you living with this mindset of the glory days are behind me. God wants you to every new season have a fresh taste that the best has been saved for last. I don't care how old you are, how young you are, how good a season was in the past. When you get Jesus involved in your life, he always saves the best for last. He always leads you into greater days. There was a woman in John chapter four who had been through five marriages. What is she doing? She's going to a man to try to fill her thirst. And she, she meets Jesus at the well. Turn to someone next to you say, are you thirsty? <laughs> she meets Jesus at the water well. It's Jacob's well. Jacob was the guy in the Old Testament who had a problem with himself. Jacob loved Rachel, and he got Leah instead of Rachel, and then he had to wait seven years to get Rachel. And then after he got Leah and Rachel, he had problems between both of them. It was just a mess. Jacob had a messy life, and God still loved Jacob. God still loved him. And Jacob was a deceiver, and he wrestled with God to figure out who he was, to get his blessing. So the well that Jesus meets this woman at is a popular well. It's the well that was named after Jacob. Jacob put that well there. And it's a well where people oftentimes will go to try to fill the thirst with the wrong stuff. Because for Jacob, he tried to fill it with wealth. He tried to fill it with his brother's birthright. He tried to be somebody else. He tried to be someone he wasn't. And he was constantly trying to get a girl and he had lust issues and he had problems and he was frustrated with his father-in-law. And he was tired and exhausted and he put a well there. And this woman, this Samaritan woman, meets Jesus at the well. And she's been through five marriages that haven't worked out. Either the guy dumped her or she dumped the guy. Maybe he cheated on her. I don't know. Just messy marriages. Five of them didn't work out. Now she's living with a sixth man that's not her husband. Just sipping. Sipping. Thirsty. But it's never enough. It's never enough. Just say that with me. It's never enough. I, someone gave, I asked for a pocket knife and they gave me a full on like sawzall. There we go, I'm gonna get it. You see that? You see that? It's cracks, cracks in the cup. When there's cracks in the cup, it never holds the water. It just keeps on leaking. She had been cut by so many guys, broken by so many messed up marriages, probably even by her own dad, who never hugged her, never told her that he loved her, so she was angry, and no guy was ever good enough. And so, I'm gonna put this knife down, it scared me. <laughs> She's just leaking. And Jesus says, hey, this well that you're trying to drink from, it's gonna leave you empty. And even if you fill up your cup, you're gonna keep on leaking, because your jar is broken. Your heart is broken. You're depleted and exhausted. You go to the temple, you go to worship. She knew about God. She said, oh, us Samaritans, we know how to worship. We go to the temple. The Jews worship like this, we worship like that. Jesus says, I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about relationship. 
You're empty. Your cup is empty. And you're frustrated at your husband. You're frustrated at your boyfriend, thinking he's going to meet those needs that only some of us are trying to squeeze out of a person what only God can give. We're trying to squeeze out of a job, trying to squeeze out of a nation what only God can give. America is not our source. God is our source. People are not your source. God is your source. But when people are your source, you're constantly frustrated with them because they'll never be able to fill you. Nothing will ever be enough. I wonder what's cracked your cup. Maybe it is a critical spirit. Maybe it's just a lack of rest. A lack of rest. Um, did anyone ever see the movie Rocky? Rocky Balboa? <laughs> In the first Rocky, which was really awesome, there's this moment where his trainer says, why are you working so hard? And Rocky says, I want to go the distance so that I know that I'm not the bum. He's got this internal drive. I can't stop. I can't stop. I can't stop. America is so obsessed with work. We're so obsessed with busyness. We just don't know how to stop. And I think during COVID-19, God was giving families and people a chance to just stop. And if you miss that chance, it's not too late. You can still take a break. So many people pride themselves on never taking a day off. I've never taken a day off in my life. You need a day off. <laughs> I have 5,000 vacation hours I've never used. Go use some of them. You're getting crazy, man. You're getting stressed. You're short-fused. You're engaged, but you're exhausted. You're dedicated to the company, but you are depleted. Jesus would pull away often to rest. And he would go on the Sabbath and he would just enjoy the day. He would pull away with God. In Genesis, one of the best things God shows us is that he takes a rest. After working six days, it says God rested. For some of us, the crack in our cup is just unhealthy pressure. We put this pressure on ourselves to be perfect. We put this pressure on ourselves to, to just be awesome. I was talking to a mentor a couple weeks ago and I said, man, I just feel so much pressure. And he said, from who? I said, I guess myself. And he's like, is anyone in the church putting pressure on you? I was like, not really, it's just me. And he's like, you need to give yourself permission to be human. Humans don't have the superpowers that sometimes we like to think we have, that unhealthy pressure, or then it comes from an unhealthy view of God. Maybe the crack in your cup is you view God as a boss. And so every two weeks you get your paycheck. But God is not your boss, he's your dad. You're his son, you're his daughter. He's not a master and you're the slave. No, you're his son, you're his daughter, you're his kid. But religious people say, if I'm really good and I do a lot of good things, I'll get to rest one day in heaven. But God says, I want you to rest here on earth too. I don't want you to wait till heaven till you have no more tears. I want you to enjoy life right here on earth. You know, there's something powerful when we take time to just be who God's made us to be and we enjoy the journey God's called us to walk on. And so I wanna just give you, I think, seven ways. I wanna end this message with seven ways to really rest, to really get a refill. If you need a refill on joy, on hope, on peace, this is a time for us to move from an empty tank and a broken bank to an overflowing cup. And so I wanna shift the sermon. I wanna change the title to say, my cup overflows. I want you to turn to someone next and say, my cup overflows. 
You may not feel like saying it. You might have said the opposite when you got to church this morning. But by the time you leave in the next 15 minutes, I'm believing your cup is going to start overflowing. Come on, church. It's time to get some joy back into your life. It's time to get some peace back into your life. We went to a water park a couple years ago, and I think it might have been in Tulsa. I don't know. It might have been Big Splash or Safari Joe's, Tiger King, something like that. We were at the the water park, and there's a big bucket where the water fills up, and then it spills over. All the kids stand underneath it, and the kids just get drenched. Who wants to stand underneath this water right now and just get drenched? Just get drenched. And our kids would run and just stand under that bucket and just the water would drench them and then would fill up again. Every 10 minutes it would drench. That's what God wants to do in your life. God wants you to get some water back into your life. God wants you to get some joy. God wants you to get some peace. And he's got an endless supply. So I think the first thing we got to do to really get a refill, number one, is we got to start seeing rest as a spiritual discipline. It's a spiritual discipline to rest. We got to get the right perspective that rest is God's idea for you and for I. Imago Dei means that we're the image of God, that we're called to reflect God's nature. God rested. We rest. When we rest, we're more like God. We're doing what he did. And he commanded the Israelites to do this. In fact, when we went to Israel as a family, when I was a little kid, my dad and mom took me there. I remember the Sabbath. It was like sacred The Jews, they would come into the hotel. They would not even touch a door or an elevator. Everything was, there was no work. It was all play. It was all relaxation. It was all rest. We don't understand that in America. We we even think it's bad. We think, man, if I rest, God's going to be mad at me. I got to get right back to work in order to get God's love for me. God loves you when you rest just as much as he loves you when you work. He loves you when you take a day to, it is a spiritual discipline to take a time to recharge, get your tank full again get an overflow, go see a movie, go outdoors, do some gardening, go look at cars, play with your grandbabies, jump in the lake, do something relaxing and restful. Number two, set rest boundaries. In the Old Testament, they had a thing um, called gleaning in the fields. And, And you could not collect in all corners of your field. There were limits. So in your limits, there was a place that you could do these things, but you could not leave this area. We need to set boundaries for our life. Some of us say yes to everything and yes to everyone, and that's why we're depleted. You gotta learn how to say no, the subtle art of just saying no. Ashley and I, we learned this a couple years ago when a mentor reached out to me and said, Paul, you're saying yes to everything. Why? I said, because I wanna be everybody's friend. And he's like, you can't. <laughs> I was like, what? I have to be. You can't, you can't please everybody. You got to learn to set boundaries so that you can please the most important people, which is your spouse and your kids. So say no to some things. You can't do every wedding. You can't do every funeral. You can't be at every service. So take some time where you set boundaries. You turn the phone off at a certain time. Set some rest boundaries. Your nighttime is not meant to be depleting. It's meant to be recharging. When you go to sleep, you're supposed to recharge. Set boundaries on your evenings so that you rejuvenate. Number three, we've got to learn to find our identity in Christ. I want the keys to come out. Part of the reason why we have empty tanks and broken banks and cracks in our cups is because we have a misplaced identity. Our identity is found in our job instead of in God. 
And, and so we're constantly feeling like if I'm working, I'm valuable. If I'm working, I'm worthy. If I, if, I do a, if I have a title or a position, that's what makes me a valuable person. No, you were valuable before the title. You were valuable before the job. You were valuable by the, the day you came out of your mother's womb. You were not an accident. You're a masterpiece. You're the apple of his eye. God looked at you and said, man, she's beautiful. Man, what a handsome, mighty man of God. When God sees you, he loves you. And, and, and my kids, their identity is not in their chores. Because if it was, it wouldn't be good. <laughs> They're still learning how to do their chores. Their identity is not in their title. Their identity is it's not in their last name. Their identity is in that they're a son and a daughter of Paul and Ashley. And that's why I love them. That's why God loves you. When you get your identity right, I love this quote by Henry Thoreau. He said, if a man does not keep pace with his companions, perhaps it is because he hears a different drummer. I signed up for this half marathon back in January and I was so excited. I started out 2020 with all these goals. I was like, I'm gonna do a marathon, half marathon. And then on March 1st, we were in a basketball tournament and I messed up my ankle really bad. Had to go to the doctor and it was just real bad injury. And he said, you're gonna, it's gonna take a while for you to rest and get this rejuvenated. So I pressed through, COVID-19 comes and we all are in quarantine. We're doing drive-through services and I'm pressing through and nobody knows I've got ankle issues and I'm just preaching on the ankle. Everything's, you know, just pressing through, pushing through, but I wasn't running, I wasn't jogging. I was just walking, you know? And then the half marathon happened to be just two weeks ago. And the people that saw my name signed up, they were like, are you still gonna do this? I was like, I have not trained at all. And they were like, you don't have to do it. I was like, I'm gonna do it. So I get in that half marathon, <laughs> I show up two minutes before it starts, I'm tying my shoes and it goes boom, you know, and I'm running the first few miles and my ankle's like hurting. And then I get to the fourth mile and my ankle is really hurting. I get to the fifth mile and my ankle is screaming at me, Paul, stop, oh! you know, my ankle is just shouting at me, not literally, but internally it's shouting at me. And so I stop and I start walking on it. My brother, John, passes me and I'm like, I'm just as good as you, John. <laughs> Ryan Andrew passes me. I'm just as good as you, Ryan. And then a 10 year old passes me. I'm like, I'm not letting this 10 year old pass. I start running. And then a grandpa passes me who's like 80. And I'm like, I'm better than you. You know, who's like my competitive spirit and wants to tell them. I'm trying to explain my pace. I'm like, I usually am just as fast as you. The problem is I broke my ankle, you know, a couple months ago. And they're like, okay, pastor, we'll see you at the finish line. And I could just hear God saying, stop trying to explain your pace. Stop trying to explain your pace. Mom. Stop trying to explain your pace. They don't know what you walk through and they don't have to know. God knows. Some of us are trying to drive a highway speed limit in a school speeding zone. You can't do that at Victor Christian School parking lot. For those of you who drive 65 miles an hour in the parking lot, it's 15 in this parking lot. It's a school. I'm preaching to myself too. We gotta slow down. Some of us are trying to go a speed that we used to go when we were single, but we're married now. Some of us are trying to go a speed when we were married without children and now we have kids. And God's saying, slow down. And don't worry about trying to explain your pace. Just enjoy the journey. 
It's not about the finish line. It's about the journey. But you won't reach the finish line if you're exhausted the entire race. If you're depleted, you'll stop. So learn a rhythm. Learn a pace of grace. Learn to walk a little bit, run a little bit. Walk a little bit, jog a little bit. Look at the eagle that's flying over the Arkansas River. Pause for a second. Smell the hamburgers at Burger King. Then keep on going. (laughs) Everybody say, enjoy the journey. Number four, get outside and exercise around his creation. Go for a hike this week. I think one way that keeps our cup full, our tank full, is just getting outside. We're in a society right now where so many people are indoors. We're on Netflix, we're on Disney Plus, we're on Amazon Prime, we're watching TV, we're we're on our iPads and our iPhones. And I've been telling our kids, get outside, go outside. Get outside. Can I play on your phone? No, you can go play with the rocks outside. You can play with the sticks outside. Go with the dogs for a little run, go on a bike ride. It is healthy for kids to be outdoors. Your boys need to be outdoors. Your daughter needs to be outdoors. We all need to be outdoors. We live longer when we're outdoors more. Get outdoors. Go for a run. You go, man, what's the spiritual implication of this? Everything. Because your spiritual man is connected to your physical. It's like I'm telling you, these physical things we do affect our spirit. When I'm exercising, my spirit is sharper. When I'm outside, my spirit is more creative. Like when my cup is overflowing, when I have an overflowing cup, here's when I know I have an overflowing cup. When I have an overflowing cup, I cannot wait to sit down at a piano. What key are you in, Mark? See? When I have an overflowing cup, I am like full of creative ideas. And I've got all these like. When I speak your name, mountains have to move. Like I start writing songs when my cup is overflowing. I get all these ideas and, and then I. When my cup, what I'm trying to say is when when I have an overflowing cup, when I'm outside, when I'm exercising, when I'm reading my Bible, when I'm worshiping, when I'm living without a critical spirit, when I'm thankful to be alive. How many have breath in your lungs this morning? Anyone have breath in your lungs? How many came into church with two arms and two legs? How many have clothes on right now? Thank you, Jesus. You better be having some clothes watching online right now. No, it's okay. You're at home. You can do it. Whatever. If you have a laptop at home, you got an iPad, you got something to watch church. When we're living with thankfulness, when we're not being critical about our life, I have a good life. The end, like hell's focus. Satan wants us to be focused on what we don't have. Hell wants us to be so discontent with life so that no matter how good the water is, the crack just keeps on making us leak. That's what he did in the garden. He got Adam and Eve to say, you got all this, but you don't have this. He wants to get your eyes on what you don't have. I have have a great wife. And I have a great son, three sons and a great daughter. And even when they are pooping, peeing, stinking up our house, (laughs) screaming, yelling, depleting me of sleep, It is a blessing to have kids. I have a great brother over there. I have a great sister over there. I have great brother-in-laws over. Listen, what I'm trying to say is we, the good outweighs the bad. 
You're sitting in acres of diamonds. Stop acting like you're sitting in a desert. You're in an ocean of grace. You're in an ocean of God's goodness. How many of God's been good to you in your lifetime? All right. So number five, have fun, have fun. One of the ways that we keep our cup full is just go have fun. Go make some memories. We, we rented a moped a couple weeks ago um, because one of my mentors, Jeff Foxworthy, the comedian, I call him a mentor. <laughs> he, I really did have a conversation with him and he shared with me, he said, listen, I'm around so many pastors that are stressed and just stiff necked and, and just tightly wound up. And he said, you gotta pretend like you're on a motorcycle and that you're with daddy God and you're enjoying life. And so my wife and I, we rented a moped and man, we just went riding and I said, wahoo. Some of y'all need to say wahoo again. You need to get your wahoo back. You need to get your joy back. You need to get your excitement for life back. Have some fun. Ecclesiastes 8 verse 15 says, I recommend enjoying life. Proverbs 17, 22 says a cheerful heart is medicine for the soul. Psalm 118, David said, this is the day that the Lord has made and I will have some fun and enjoy it. I'm going to make the most of this day. Number six, meditate on God's goodness. Meditation is a key to contentment. Secular people get this. They do it in yoga. They meditate. Christians have the best meditation because we're meditating on Jesus. We're meditating on his goodness. We're meditating on his love. And when you meditate on the right things, fix your thoughts on things that are praiseworthy, true, just, admirable, things that are good, all of a sudden your inside begins to dictate your outside. Number seven, keep going to the right source and your cup will always overflow. Will you stand to your feet all over this place? Jesus said in Matthew 11, come to me all who are weary, anyone who's burned out on life or burned out on 2020, and I will give you rest. I will give you strength. I love what he says here. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Recover your life. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Lord, I pray this morning that we would leave today with a greater revelation that our cup can overflow. And God, that we would receive it. We would see how good you are, how good life is, and we would begin to overflow with love for others. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today and you need a refill, you just need a refill. Some area in your life, you're just kind of running on empty right now. If that's you, just raise your hand. Yes, sir, yes, ma'am, yeah, all over the room. God says, anyone who asks, I will give to them whatever they ask. He's rich in grace. He's ready to forgive. Thou art, Lord, a good God. He is slow to wrath. He is quick to show mercy. If you need a refill of mercy, if you need a refill of joy, if you need a refill of grace, just keep your hands up. I'm going to pray for you right now. Lord, just hold your hand like a cup. There it is. He's pouring it out. You're standing underneath that big water bucket. And he says, here it comes. Lord, I pray for just an overflow right now of your peace an overflow, a refill, God. Refill us to overflow with your joy, your creativity, your grace, your excitement. God, to, to just wake up and say, this is the day the Lord has made that we would this week 
be able to overflow in our workplace, overflow in our marriage, overflow in our homes. Help us, God, to overflow with our kids, overflow with our parents, overflow with our roommates. God, I pray for an overflow of your strength on those who are weary right now, those who are tired, those who are burned out. God, fill their cup up today and fill it up tomorrow and help them, God, as they practice these disciplines, God, that we're talking about today, God, that they would begin to see an overflow in their life, an overflow of strength, an overflow of peace. Just say this with me. Jesus, I'm all yours. I surrender to you. I repent of sin and I receive your forgiveness. Thank you for filling me up to overflow with your joy, your grace, your strength, your love. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I love you, Victory. God bless you. Have a great rest of your week.